Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. You're listening to the Hunting Land Man podcast. This is Slade Priest, your host, the Hunting Land Man. Rack buck down here on opening day. If you're interested in rack bucks and real estate and everything that has to do with hunting property, this is the podcast for you. Well, here we go. The Hunting Land Man podcast. New Ryan, this is episode, what, 13? 13. We've got a special treat today. Uh, got a guest that I've I've known. I guess I've known our guest. Mm, at least since uh, we called it we called it minor league back in the day. I guess probably eight or nine years old. But anyway, before we get going, uh, the Hunt and Land Man podcast is brought to you by Southern Ag Credit. They take care of all of our clients and ourselves. Our guest today, they take care of plenty of his clients. Also, one of his best friends is uh, also works for Southern Ag Credit. So we've got a um, you know we're a Southern Ag Credit family here, and our guest is too. We've got Brent McMillan here. Uh, today, Brent is a fellow, uh, a fellow agent, uh, a competitor, but a friendly competitor. He just started his new business, McMillan Land and Realty. He's got his, his fancy new hat on, and uh, he's showing off, and he's strutting here proud with that new business, and we're proud for him. He's got a lot of good stuff going on. He's located uh, in Amick County in Liberty, and I always say this on the podcast, you know, we believe that we provide a great service here at Southern States Realty and myself at the Hunting Land Man, me and New Ryan and Lori. But there are always good agents out there. There's other options. And sometimes, and Brent will be the first to tell you this, sometimes um, personalities just, you know, go better one way or the other. And, and, and there's great agents just like there's, there's great uh, doctors and great car salesmen and great everything. But uh, Brent McMillan, thank you for being on with us. Thank you for having me, Slade. Glad to be here today and – you mentioned my hat earlier when you called me the other day and asked me about uh, coming up here and doing the podcast with you. I kind of got to thinking about it and I asked you, so was it a video or audio or what? You said it was both. So I said, man, I don't have anything yet. My company's so new. I've been so busy trying to get everything put together and, and running smoothly, you know. I said, no, I haven't got any hats or shirts or anything done yet. So I reached out to this guy named Scott 
He owns uh, Deep South Embroidery Service in Tylertown. I said, man, I need a hat now. You know, and he made it happen. So thank you, Scott. Appreciate it. Hats turn out great. And with everything with COVID going on, to have something happen fast like that, that's good service. It was. It was great service. Well, speaking of good service, that's what Brent and I try to provide. Brent is a great agent. If I wasn't an agent, I would definitely consider listing my uh, listing my stuff, my stuff, my land with Brent. Um, and and I wouldn't say that about everybody in the industry. I mean, I, I, that's just truth. I, that's I, a big compliment, man. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, sir. You've been one of my, my better clients over the years, too. And, and yes, and I'm actually a, a, one of the better. At one time, I, I used to claim I was his best client, but I, I, he doesn't sell as much of the stuff that I like to buy anymore, so I'm not his best client anymore. <laughs> but today, we're going to cover how to get your land ready to sell. Uh, we're going to get into that. I think this is a really good topic. It's it's a no-brainer topic, uh, but there's things that need to be talked about. Brent, before we get going... Take us in a couple of minutes, uh, real estate career, where you started. Justify why you know what you're talking about. Well, uh, Slade, I've been in the business, I guess it's about 15 years now. Uh, Did you get yours in 07? Yeah, 07. Same, same yeah, as me. July of 07, actually. I was yeah. a couple months before you. Right. But uh, you know, I've always just grew up in the outdoors, hunting and fishing. Uh, you know, I worked for uh, Lonely Farms growing up and learned a lot about timber and and, uh, you know, hunting out there as well. I just always had a passion for it. Uh, I've always enjoyed uh, meeting people, getting to know people, uh, you know, soaking everything I could soak in. Uh, <clears throat> matter of fact, Cassie Anderson told me one time, she says, I don't know what you need to do in life, but it needs to be something to do with land and people, you know. So what better way to do it than be a land broker? <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, I've been in business 15 years now, right at it. Uh, worked for a couple of different companies. Uh, first two companies I worked for really were more of uh, both national franchises and, and were no more for residential side. They brought me in to kind of be their land guy, kind of start up a land division, which, you know, had success at both places, and uh, but always had a dream to own my own company. And, uh, you know, I, I'm an accredited land consultant. Uh, when I was first got started, uh, I was 21 years old and looked like I was about 15. You know, so a lot of the people that, that would call me and meet me or see my picture or whatever on the, on the marketing stuff, advertising stuff, would, you know, kind of like, well, look, you know, we, we think you know what you're talking about. But uh, at the same time, you know, we just feel like you're a little too young, so we're going to go with somebody else. So I had to figure out, like, how to overcome my youth. And uh, a fellow agent that we worked with at the time asked me, she says, you ever heard of the Realtors Land Institute? I said, no. So she turned me on to that, and I found out about the ALC designation. I said, well, you know, if I had some credentials behind my name that said that I knew what I was talking about, you know, maybe that helped me overcome the youth. But the first thing I did was grow the beard. You know, that made me look a little older, you know. And uh, We've been wondering why you did that. And it covers up some ugly, you know. But uh, <clears throat> anyway, I, I uh, went and got my uh, ALC designation, which, uh, you know, it, isn't the easiest thing in the world to get, but... Uh, didn't know this when I got started, but as I got to going through and, and, and got it, you know, several people came to me and said, like, how old are you? And I told them, and, and so they did some research and come to find out I was the, the youngest person ever in the state of Mississippi at the time, and I don't know if I still am or not, but, but at the time I was the youngest person ever in the state of Mississippi to, to receive their ALC designation. And, and, and if anybody, if you, if you don't know what the ALC is, I, I, I'd say it's like your doctorate of land sales is for the layman's terms. I'll go with that. <laughs> But uh, And I was the third youngest in the nation at the time. Uh, now, like I said, I think some other guys have come in and done well and, and, uh, and, done, and, and, and gotten their ALC. Uh, and I'm probably like number five or six now in the nation. But uh, it, that really helped me out. Uh, gave the credentials to say, hey, 
we already knew what you we thought you knew what you were talking about. Now you got this. It says you do know what you're talking about, and uh, it really helped me out and uh, moving forward and just getting a lot of experience under me. And uh, you know, had had a, had a good career and the Lord's blessed me. Well, Brent definitely knows what he's talking about. He sells in tens of millions of dollars worth of real estate and, and does real good. He does a, a little bit of everything. You know, I know he's he's done some houses and some land and big tracks of land. He sold a couple big tracks here the last couple of years. Um, I ran through the same thing. I used to tell Scott all the time that it was hard to, you know, to overcome the youth because when you show up on the buggy and the truck and the clients you meet, you don't have a lot of rapport in common with them. You're probably experiencing the same thing I am right now. I just started selling the big land tracks we sell. The people our age, I just started. Yep. Like, and it's weird because it's way easier. You talk about what your kids are doing, what your wives are doing, what year you graduated. It's it's like, oh, this is way easier than it used to be. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I, I remember one of the things that was you know, always kind of made me nervous, you know, when, when I was first got started. Now, shoot, man, I was still living at home. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, got it. You know, got out of college, came back, and and uh, still living with mom and dad. And like, I always hoped like one of my customers or clients wouldn't ask me that because I didn't want to tell them I still live at home, <laughs> mom and dad. But now, you know, like you said, we we talk about kids and wives and and uh, you know, and land, lot, lot, yeah, land, land is just a lot more, mm-hmm. lot more in common, you know. Well, uh, we're going to dive into this thing. We, Me and Brent, we get on the phone and we talk like this and digress forever. We're going to get into this thing. Okay, so how to get your land ready for sale. So we're going to talk about uh, the land stuff that we do, you know, typically bigger tracks. Now, a lot of times these tracks have camps and that sort of thing, and we're going to go into that today. I kind of just wrote down some bullet points. Um, I'll, I said this actually earlier on an Instagram post. Um, you know, there's a couple things that are big bangs for your buck. People, I'm sure you get the same questions as me. You know, what are the things I need to do and what are the things I might need to do? Um, grass and getting your roads in good shape, I would say, you know, cutting the grass. You would never put your house on on the market in town, not cut your grass. Right. Not, you know, at least have your, uh, you may not have the, um, the landscaping looking perfect, but it would look neat. You know, right. neat and, and stuff like that. Um, I would say those spends are probably two to five times your money. And let me let me quantify that. If you spend $1,000 on somebody coming out there with a bush hog for two days, bush hog in the grass and things like that, I would be willing to bet that's worth five to $10,000. Oh, absolutely. I agree 100%. And, and what it is, is I got this, this saying, and I've probably said it on the podcast before, most of my clients come out of Louisiana and sometimes their husbands come. Uh, you know, the decision maker, a mama, a lot of times is with us. And you don't want mama with limbs hitting her all in the face or bugs getting all over her in the buggy. And, it, you know, it's usually, you know, we're in the south, it's hot most of the time we're showing. You won't, you don't want to be getting stuck. You don't want to be going through any big ruts. You want a good atmosphere. Right. So mama has a good time. And, and mama, daddy, kids, everybody. And the best compliment I can get whenever I get off the buggy is mama to say, you can buy this place, but you got to buy me a buggy like this to ride on. <laughs> you, you, you've oh, heard that I've heard that before. And, I mean, you know, just in my experience, you know, a good road system, a good internal road system is, is almost a lifeblood of selling a property. I mean, people, you know, like right now, as hot as it's been, you know, as wet as it's been, Nobody wants to get out and walk anything anymore. They want to ride it. And when they're riding it, they want to look at it, you know. And you can't look at it when you've been over in the buggy, you know, 
dodging limbs and briar. So a good interior trail system that, that really highlights the, the, the best features of the tracks, you know, hardwoods, creeks, you know, stuff like food plots. Uh, but a good trail system, in my, my opinion, is probably the number one most important thing about getting your property ready for sale. And, you know, let's define that a little bit. A good trail system. Um, we listen, you know, depending on the quality of place, you know, if you got, if you got a place that's super up in with a million dollar lodge, yeah, you, we may would say gravel or white rock roads on a lot of your main roads. You know, if you've got your normal stuff that we sell a hundred acres with a couple, three food plots and a nice little camp and a pond, you know, as long as you can get around and good, nobody wants to buy what they can't see. Right. You want to make, and, and it's our job as agents to make the experience, you know, then make a good decision. And it's hard to make a good decision if the client doesn't see. I mean, Britain, the first thing, the worst thing an agent wants to hear is, well, I didn't see that big hole in the back. Well, I told you to walk over there and look at it. We don't want that conversation. So right. we want, the roads are huge. Uh, you know, Britain and I have a, a lot of uh friends and uh, colleagues that we can recommend to do the grass. I just got off on one that cuts a lot of grass for me. Um, do the roads. Uh, they've got these new limb ninjas that right. make it way easier so the limbs aren't slapping you and, and things like that. Seriously, clients, it makes such a big difference. Huge difference. I mean, number one, you got to have a place to pull in and park and turn around. Mm-hmm. I mean, we got the trucks, we got the trailers, we got the buggies. Don't be on the road. You don't want to be parked on the road. You don't want to be, you know, I always think about that scene in Austin Powers where you're stuck in the tunnel on the golf cart going back <laughs> yeah, and forth. Yeah. Like, you don't want to do that. You want to be able to pull in there, turn around, turn out, make it easy, you know. Uh, and then, you know, you want to be able to access the track uh, easily and see the best features of it. And, uh, you know, because people just don't want to walk. You know? And and, and your, your, your food plots and, you right. know, if there's – I would say that, I mean, you don't have to cut every inch and every inch, but the main features, okay, if you've got a creek on your place, we need to better get to that creek. Right. We need to better show if if this, my, if, if, Klein, if you're saying my place is worth this because of this, we better, we better better see it. Absolutely. And, you know, you're talking about the grass. I mean, looked at a place this morning about listing before I came here. Great trail system. Roads all over, probably really too many roads, uh, but roads all over, but, you know, growing up, you know, people... I want to be getting the bugs and the whole time, you know, the spiders and the ticks, ticks and the and bugs the are all bug, flapping yep. over, you know, and, and, uh, you know, you don't want that either. So you gotta have it, gotta have it looking sharp. Especially this time of year during the summer where we've had such a wet summer and that grass gets six foot tall. Mm-hmm. It, it really makes a big difference because Brent and I both, you know, we've got, you know, really nice buggies. So the clients do have a good experience, but you put a client on a really nice buggy, but you still get bugs all over you. That experience you know, it, they get in a hurry. They don't want that. If that, you can have two identical places, and if one place that grass is cut and one place is not, it's going to be hard to sell your place where the grass isn't cut. And it just, that's just I fact. mean, you want them, when you're riding them around, you want them looking at the at the features that help sell this property, not worried about the bugs and the spiders and the, and the limbs that are hitting them in the face. So that's it. That's it. Well, um, all right, this is a topic, uh, I kind of just going down my bullet points. This is a topic I get a lot. Hey, I'm getting my place ready for sale. Do I need to build a camp? Um, will it make, will it make it easier for me to rent and sell? Yeah. Will you make any money on building that camp? Probably not. Right. Um, you know, the way on land stuff is different with a lot in the house with on land stuff, the way it, the camp's worth the camp's worth. 
It may make the land easier to sell. It may make the property a little more turnkey in this market today. It may make it easier to sell. But you got to realize what you build is not what everybody else necessarily would build. So, uh, to, to, first of all, to answer that question, if you don't have a camp, don't just build a camp to sell a property. Right. Um, but if you do have a camp, Brent, I'm going to let you take the, uh, if you do have a camp, uh, let's say you have a normal, uh, let's say a, a double wide mobile home, or you got just a normal camp. We're not talking about a half a million dollar camp, just a normal camp. What condition is too much? What's a good spin? What's a bad spin? Give me kind of a. Man, I mean, that's always a, a good question. And it's a hard one to answer for me because like you said earlier, I mean, everybody's got their own idea of what they want for a camp. Uh, the best way for me to say it is you need to have it to where, as you mentioned Mama earlier, you want Mama to be there and, and, and feel comfortable sleeping in it. It doesn't have to be the Taj Mahal, but it doesn't need to be the regular old, you know, guys, camp. guys hunting camp. Now, if you don't want your wife to come and she doesn't have a say-so in it, then yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know. But, uh, you know, nine times out of ten, you know, the wife's going to be a big part of making that decision. And, uh, and the camp is, is what she's looking at, what she's most interested in. Uh, so my advice is, is, is if you're going to build a camp, you know, don't overdo it. You know, you know, I wouldn't, I mean, as far as putting a dollar number, man, I don't think you can. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can put a dollar number on it because there's so many other factors that come into play. You know, I'm always, when people ask me that question, I say, look, best thing to do is get it set up and let them do what they want to do with it when they get here. Because everybody, no matter how nice a place you have, no matter how well you get it set, everybody's always going to want to put their touch on it. You know, so I think the, the risk of the investment in, in putting a camp on something to sell it versus just having a you know a, a blank canvas so to speak for for somebody to buy that land and come and do what they want to do that's fine. I mean the barn and minimums are a good way to go though. I mean I feel like the barn and minimums are, are a hot item and that's what everybody's going to. And uh, if you're going to do a camp, I'd look into doing something like that. And and I actually built one as Brent knows is I built one for my home last year. That's actually I probably need to do a podcast with uh, Ryan Wascom on this just. They are getting popular. They're super easy to keep up. Um, you can change them and add to them, and mm-hmm. you know, I mean, they're so easy to add on to and a little cheaper up. construction. Right, right. Uh, so good, good point there. Um, back to the camp. Uh, t- typical things, you know, the same. This would go for your house in town too. Look, if you got mold growing on the north side of it or whatever, spray it down. Uh, make sure that the grass is cut around it. You know, I know how these hunting camps get when you're not there, and the ladybugs and the bugs and spiders. You you want to not sell your place? Let a let a lady walk through a couple spider webs. I yep. mean, I'm you know, and you know, just just things like that. Clean and nice. You don't have to spend, you know, you don't have to spend a thousand dollars getting somebody to clean. Just just clean, nice and tidy. It don't have to be perfect. It just needs to be presentable. So right. that kind of that kind of fixes itself. And like another point I want to make about this is I can't. And I know you've seen the same thing. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I've gone to a piece of property to list it, and, you know, there's this nice custom-built cabin that this this guy spent a lot of money on, you know, thinks the world of it. But it's not exactly what somebody else wants. And he'll tell me, look, you know, I've spent $350,000 on this thing. But people that are going to they're looking to buy a big tract of land, they're putting more value on the land than they are the structures usually. So, I mean, if you spent $350,000 on it uh, – more often than not, you know, you may get what you want for the land, but you're going to lose money on that cabin most of the time because it was so custom, you know. So that's why I just, I, when people ask me that question, I tell them I think you're better off leaving it without it, 
you know. The only thing that that I think you can maybe make a place easier to sell for a cheap thing that works if there's like a definite campsite, you know, like a spot where there's power or overlooking the lake, a pushed out or clipped or, or cleaned off campsite. I think that helps a lot of people who never done and, and most people have not don't have a vision for this. If you put the vision, say okay, all I got to do is run the power right there from the road and put my camp there. I can call Wade McCants and, and have a modular home. I mean, yep. you know, that's, that, that, that helps. So you set th- it up so they can visualize it. Right, and right. I do that on properties that I've, I've, uh, I've sold because people, if you set it up where they can visualize it, 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 it helps paint that picture a lot faster. Um, going that Keep going down my list, something that's huge, uh, and, and people, this happens so often, especially this summer, um, you know, crossings. Um, you know, a lot of times stuff me and Brent sell, there's, uh, you know, there's creek crossings or drainage or things like that. We've got to be able to see the whole place. And what you don't want is a problem that's not necessarily a problem. It's just a lack of maintenance. So I tell my clients, hey, you know, it's that culvert right there washing out. Clients go to negotiating in tens of thousands of dollars in their head. They say, it's going to cost me ten, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 to fix that culvert, yep. when really it may be $400 worth of gravel to fill in where it's washed out, and then it's a mute point. But we need to be able to see it and, and do the maintenance on things like that. You know, it's in these hilly tracks like over I live in Wilson County, look, we know they're going to wash. It's part of that soil over there. But if you do the maintenance where it doesn't look like there's a terrible problem, it becomes a moot point. Not that we're trying to cover anything right. up, but, you know, fix what needs to be fixed. And I'm not saying spend $100,000, but, you know, maintain the place like if you were keeping it. Yeah, I mean, you're. I agree 100%, Slate. I mean, a lot of these people we're, we're showing property to, they know a little bit about it, but when it really comes to the cleanup process, the construction process, they they, they don't know what they don't know. And, you know, part of our job is to try say to... That, over- say that again for the people in the back. <laughs> they don't know what they don't know. Uh, but, and we have to try to overcome those objections, you know. And, and just what you said, I mean, I can't tell you how many times, you know, it's been a simple little little crossing and that I know for a fact would have probably cost $1,000 to be set up for a very long time with no problems with a low water crossing or, you know, or something like that. And and, and they are, they're thinking in their head, I'm going to spend five. Ten thousand dollars, you know, fixing that, and it's not. So, if if, if you can do that on the front end, uh, and you're certainly not going to lose money by doing it, then go ahead and do it. And and you and, and and to the point, you know, they they have in their head it's going to cost a lot more money than this, so you're not going to lose money. You know, have you seen Brent? Because I know, I mean, you've been. It's really unique. We've been in the real estate business the exact same amount of time. The world has changed since we started. So just like I think mine and Brent's age group is extremely unique because we knew the world before internet, before smartphones, and we knew the world after. So I think that's a really unique perspective. When Brent and I first started, you had to go preview tracks. Yeah. Like if you're going to show something, well, I'm going to go out there tomorrow and go look at it before my clients get it. And you had tab maps. If you had an aerial, maybe the landowner had one. You got lucky. Like, Like that was not a normal thing. You know, that you got, if you, I tell you what, if you had an area of a track, you didn't give it to a client. You had to keep it. <laughs> right. You know, you had to keep it. You know, now I can get one on my phone in two seconds. Man, these, these, these apps on these phones, you know, and, uh, you know, I use Onyx and MapRite a lot. And, uh, and I don't know what we did before. I mean, used to, we had the old tab maps that was just a sheet of paper. And we had to kind of had to have a compass and guess where we were at, you know. Uh, and then I forget the name of that. 
uh, first kind of mapping service that came out that, that wasn't great. That card. It, yeah, that was it. It was the best thing we had. It was slow. But it was slow, man. It, it, wasn't, it was not great. Uh, it's, it, that just the, the way the technology has changed in that, that area it has really changed the business for us. I mean, a good map helps sell a place too. You know, right, right, and 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 so that's one thing I always try to provide. I try to provide anything I can get, different year aerials and topos, and I'm, I got Onyx pulled up here in front of me. I'm a huge Onyx fan. I'm a huge fan of tracking everywhere I go, so oh, I can yeah. show the client where we went. And then you can share those with other agents, you know. And I mean, uh, no matter how experienced they are or not, especially those that maybe aren't quite as experienced mm-hmm. with with uh, showing land or whatever. Uh, we can send them those files. They can have that app, and, and they can retrace our steps, and, and, and we know they'll see everything that we need them to see, you know? And and to that point, um, to that point, you know, it, clients, if you have information on Onyx or Map, um, on any of these apps, HuntStand, any of that, like, hey, I deer like to move this stuff. Clients eat that stuff up. They love it. You know, they love a proven history of what's working, like, Oh, he's got this feeder here because the this is sanctuary and this is a bed area, or you, you name it. You know that kind of stuff. The painted picture really makes a difference. And and where I was going with the, how long we've been in the business and things is, I've noticed here in the last couple of years the world is faster. I mean that's no brainer. Everybody want we want it here, we want it now. With that being said, the more turnkey it is. Man, it makes it easy to sell because people are busy. People are playing more base. You know, people who are buying land are they got grandkids or kids playing more ball games, uh, more sports. They're busier at work. Their client just like we're busy with our work and on demand. They are too. So, just like I had a age, a client the other day, and sometimes Brent knows this, and I'm new. Ryan's learned this. You have to show a client three or four properties before you found that they don't know what they don't know. They don't know what they really want. I finally had to tell a client the other day, which we're closing here in a couple of weeks on a track. I said, listen, I've listened to you. You do not need a project. You don't have to, you can't even hardly get time to come look at property. When are you going to get time to come put in these roads and food plots and camps? And he finally said, you're absolutely right. I said, pay a little more. Let's get something a little more turnkey. And then you can put your little touch with your little bit of time you got. Yep. And, I've noticed that the you I guess people used to uh, people the turnkey aspect wasn't quite as popular I think when we first started as it is now. Oh man, no doubt. I did a, a, a interview with uh, Ernest Herndon the other day at the office, and one of the questions he asked me is like, you know, obviously the market's been good. Everybody has seen it. You know, here in the past year, year and a half, uh, he's like, but like as far as the land goes, like what are what are you seeing being the most desirable sales? What's what's bringing the most money? I mean, it's hands down turn key track. Uh, I mean, everything's up a little bit, but the, I feel like the land side of it, uh, the pricing we've seen has has been a little bit more track specific, so to speak. And and those are those turn key tracks. I mean, when you when you can say, here's a check, here's the keys, go enjoy yourself. They're Lo- gonna, load you, go and plant your plots. Say, it, it's uh, I mean. It's going to sell for more money, and it's simply going to sell quicker. All right, I'm, I'm going to digress real <laughs> real quick because I heard him say something, and I'm so interested in his opinion on this topic because I'm diving into this topic, I think, more than anybody else. Did you listen to the appraisal podcast the other day with Landon? I had not get a chance to do that and yet. It's a, it's a really good one. Okay. <sighs> Five years ago, a million percent. Uh, and look, me and Brent talk dirt values and stuff all the time, but five years ago – Five years ago, I used to say, okay, dirt's worth this and timber's worth this. And that's how you came up with your value. I am I am 
leaning towards a hybrid. And let me let me say where I'm at on that. It's getting where more and more it's not dirt and timber. It's nice track sell for this and bad track sell for this. And the reason I say that is I've got some dirt comps in Wilkeson County for big stuff, 35, 3,600 an acre. And it's not arguable anymore. You can look it up on the MLS. Yeah, you have had many conversations about yeah, that. Yeah, and, 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 so, and so you have to – you say, okay, well, what's the difference in the dirt value? This dirt value is 2,500, and this dirt value is 3,500. And it's pointing – this is what me and Landon were talking about. It's pointing more and more towards good tracks in high recreation areas, aim at Wilkeson County. That's the key word, recreational. Yeah, it's 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 less because they're, it's becoming so much more of a recreational environment, and so much less. It's still a good investment because the dirt values are growing so high. It's like good tracks to how much to sell for. Yep. Because if I ask you this, I'm going to lead you into it, then I'm going to let you talk. If I said Brent, um, the timber's all right. It's on the Amet River, you know, up there in Thompson. Uh, pretty nice track. Uh, I mean, first number you're thinking in your head, yeah, I could probably get thirty five hundred dollars an acre for it. And you ain't even heard what the timber is. And I said it was decent. Yep. You said because that's what good stuff sells for. How do we quantify that? How do you get an appraisal on that? I don't know. I, that's a great question. And in, in that interview I mentioned earlier with Ernest, that was another thing that came up. And I and I tell this to clients all the time when they're asking what stuff's worth, you know. And in used to for years, it was like the timber's worth this, the dirt's worth this. You know, there was no value whatsoever put on the recreational aspect of it. But over the, you know, just in our career, you know, I mean, and, and I'm, and I'm going to say probably more, I mean, we've both been 15 years now, so maybe in the past 12 years is when we've really seen it start going that direction, is there's there's a recreational value out there that you you really don't know how to put a number on. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, you can, but it's kind of a guess. It's really in the mouth of the holder. I mean, what are they wanting to... Uh, you know, a good deer hunting track, you know, or they want more of a turkey hunting track, which a lot of those things go hand in hand, you know, but but that recreational value has, has really made all the difference in the world. So when, when you hear about the, you know, the dirt value was this and the timber was this, well, if it's a high dirt value, that's going to be because of that. There, there's there's value being added in there because of the recreational side of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's what's selling, man. I mean, rec- everybody wants to go out and have a good time and, and enjoy and play and, and, uh, and, and, and you that's year round, you know. Right. I mean, it's almost. It, I've been describing it like this because I'm trying to wrap my head around. I'm. I'm gonna right new Ryan knows this. I'm. I'm. I want every piece of real estate. I'm trying to absorb education on it, and I'm creating. You know, trying to create education. What we're doing right now, but I'm trying to wrap my head around this area is being treated more like 30A or or Orange Beach, Perdido, Pensacola, you name it, or because those clients. Buy here. It's the same group, and those same clients buy have places in Venice and uh, Grand Isle for fishing. It's the same clients, and so we know that 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 land on this street in 30A sells for more just because that's where everybody wants to be. Well, Amet Wilson County, you know, some other areas we sell in Claiborne County, stuff like that. It sells for more because that's where people want to be, and it's and it's 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 more like a vacation market and. What I'm getting at is, so all day, every day, the way somebody was able to buy a half a million dollar or a two million dollar house at 38, as he was calculating every cent and every dollar, and one day he was able to afford that. But that didn't make a whole lot of sense when he bought that. He had to throw his his investment cap, he had to take it off just a little bit. And it's becoming more like that here. Now, in five years, 
his investment down there. He could probably get his money back, maybe make a little money. And that is exactly what's happening here. Yep, I agree. It, it's it, it, um, We're digressing off of how to sell your property, but I wanted Brent's take on that. But it, he sounds like he's agreeing with me. Um, all right, we're going to get back to how to sell your property. Something that I think is, you know, huge is I got wrote down here, deer picks, new and old. Let me tell you. And look, I do not take pictures from anywhere else and put them. I mean, if I if you don't see if you don't see deer pictures on the listing I got either, they didn't have any good deer pictures. But most of all, most of all, I didn't have any. Like they just they some people just aren't in the cameras, and right. and we put cameras up on our own listings sometimes just to get them. You get a place with social media and the internet the way it is now. You get a place that has really good deer turkey pictures, new and old. So if like right now we're in. Uh, August, you get some that's got, um, you know, eight, five on there. You know, they're, they're happening right now. Well, the client can say, you know, I can close on that thing before bow season, and I can be hunting that deer yep. right there. That is huge. Or like February, March of uh, last year, so they know those deer made it. Oh, and, and history is good, too. You know, hey, in 2014, they had giants, so it's a history thing. So that makes a big difference. If you're if you're thinking, hey, in a couple of years I'm going to sell my property or I'm going to upgrade or whatever, and I, I want to be a good steward, make a log of these pictures. I think it's a great idea to do one of these um, those books all our wives make for mm-hmm. vacations and, oh, yeah. and stuff like that. You do that, and have it sitting on the coffee table of a camp, and they say, God, no, they kill big deer, turkeys every year, catch fish every year on this place. Oh yeah, man. I mean, it makes a big difference. I mean, I can't tell you how many times you know that that I've talked to a a client said, look, if you've got any deer pictures, you know, send them to me. Uh, and they don't, I mean, they don't have a few, but they just really weren't into cameras or, you know, a lot of times, like, they may have a really good hunt place, but they really don't know how to hunt. Or, or they don't know how to take <laughs> or, good pictures. Exactly. Or they take pictures with their cell phone or the screen exactly. and I can't hardly use it. Yeah, I mean, I get that all the time. And then, you know, I'll go out there and put, you know, put some cameras up and try to get some pictures and every now and then. But, uh, you know, a lot, it seems like every time it's happened to me here lately, you know, it, it, it's it's uh, one of those deals where they call me during the summer and deer don't have any rats, yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, but th- that makes a huge difference because if they're not on there and the client calls, and, and you know, and you, you're more focused on, you know, the hunting side of them. I mean, you're a hunting land man. I mean, that's what, you, that's what you're doing. You're doing a great job with it. Uh, I don't get asked those questions quite as often because, like, I'm not just sitting there specializing in that, but – uh, but it definitely makes a difference. And if I don't have pictures and, and it's and it's something that it could be a potentially good hunting track, uh, you know, those clients are going to ask me, you know, what kind of deer they have. Well, the best way to show them, I mean, you can tell them all day long, but until you get that proof, you know, I mean, they don't know you, they, you know, they may or may not believe you. Uh, and then, of course, when you show them the pictures, they usually, well, are you sure this is where this came from? <laughs> but, uh, you know, we, we wouldn't do that. But And 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 I, and I guarantee there's people that, that do um, but yeah, I think it makes a big difference. And, and the difference it is, and look, I'm not trying to get into Instagram and Facebook algorithms, but this is the real difference. You got a couple good deer pictures. People share it. Man, I'd love to have this. The right person sees it. Your place sells. Yep. That's a, that's what happens. And no you know, I mean, if I if if I see a property in Claiborne County and I look over and it's two or three deer over 150, I very well may have scrolled past until I saw. Oh, let me look. What's going on here? Yeah, I mean, you know, you talk about curb appeal with a residential exactly. home. You know, the curb appeal on the land could be lots of things, and one of them is is the, is the pictures on mm-hmm. online. You know, 
And, and nothing grabs their attention more than a big buck or strutting turkey, you know. That's right. That's right. A lot of turkey or pictures. Ducks. Dead ducks. Yeah, <laughs> duck, de- yeah, ducks. Du- uh, big stringers of ducks, and and uh, I mean big, you know, lanyards, du- whatever you call. It. What do you call it? Lanyard. Yeah, lanyard. What do you when you uh, lanyard? Lanyards of ducks um, uh, on a string makes a big difference because that's history of of what, and, and of course turkeys, things like that. Um, I think big if it's a recreational property like we're talking about. Uh, you know, uh, deer history. Hey, we've been shooting four-year-olds and older, and these are our body weights. We've done these things to increase. All that kind of stuff, that makes a big difference. Deer sightings, I tell you what, and we, we take that for granted, but how many deer do you think I'll see in these food plots? Mm-hmm. You know, I can guess a lot of times, but, you know, if you, like I had a client the other day, say, how many deer do you think I see in these food plots? And I showed him some picture out the stand window that the client sent me, and it was like a 13 deer, and I said, well, you see at least 13. <laughs> exactly, you know, and and I mean, they ask that question all the time. And, and I mean, most of these tracks, you know, I'm, I'm not hunting these tracks. I'm going off what these people are telling me, you know. And, and like I said, I think 90, 99.9% of the time, the folks are being honest with us, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, you know that kind of reminds me of a funny story. Uh, I was showing a track years ago, it was a big track, and they had a nice big gravel road system through it. And we were riding in the truck looking at it, and a guy was riding through, and he says, this, this place got any deer on it? I said, yeah, man, it's got a lot of deer on it. Next curve we turn, it's like eight deer run across the road, a couple of them, you know, some good, as y'all call them, big rack bucks, you know. And uh, he kind of looked at me funny, and I was like, man, that was perfect timing, wasn't it? And uh, so we go on a little bit further. He says, there any turkeys out here? And I said, I said, yeah, man, there should be a lot of turkeys. There. It's a good habitat for them, you know. I know a few guys that hunt, you know, like over there, and I know they've killed a lot of turkeys, you know. I was like, so yeah, there should be some turkeys out here. Next curve we turn the road, five long beards running down the road. Good Lord. And he looked at me kind of funny. I was like, man, that, I said, that's just good timing, wasn't it? So he, he said to me, I could tell he was, his wheels were really spinning. He's like, I got to think of something to ask him if it's out here that's just like Any big really rare, here. you know? And so he says, what about quail? I know quail kind of have gone away in the years, you know? He said, but this place, you think it's got any quail on it? I said, well, you know, it's got a lot of turkey habitat. You know, probably help out the quail, too. Literally, man, the next curve, there's like a big, huge covey of quail and run. He looks at me, he's like, oh, my gosh. He goes, I don't know who you get out there listening in this truck and turning this stuff out. He goes, but you ain't paying enough. I want it. <laughs> you know, lucky me. Scott Lindsay, before I worked over here, showed a track that I bought from you, that 318 in Wilson uh-huh. County. And uh, I told him where all my cameras were. And, of course, Scott, he with the client, goes and checks. He said, he said, you seen all these big deer on these cameras? I said, yeah, put the cards back in there and get out of there. <laughs> he didn't sell it. I ended up selling it. But, That's uh, funny. But, um, yeah, the, stuff like that really make, makes a big difference. We, we barely mentioned ponds and stuff. You know, if you have, if you have a pond on it, you have big stringers of fish. And with the recreation in mind, you know, if you have any pictures of you and your family riding horses, finding sheds, picking mushrooms, uh, you know, you creeks, you know, playing in the creek, the family down at the creek riding four-wheelers. Whenever all that stuff, give us that stuff, if you don't mind us using it, of course. Give us that stuff because it paints the, oh, my gosh, I'd love to bring my family out here for a July 4th on that creek and the kids get stuck on a four-wheeler. Exactly. I didn't even think about that. Like, that looks fun. I want to do that. Let's make the deal happen. It would be no difference than if you you had your place for sale and uh, on Orange Beach and you had a bunch of flounder yard gigged out there. Same kind of deal. You know, yep. it, it just opens their eyes to other things they can do here. So, you know, you, you follow a pattern what we're talking about for making the place appeal. Now, I wish this happened on all of them. Most of them, you know, hey, here's the track of land. Um, I think this is the combination. Uh, if you can't get a key, 
you know, you'll figure out a way to get in and, and the place, you know, that doesn't always happen, especially during the summer. You know, most people are just thinking about maybe going to Clip and Bush Hog and stuff like that. You know, places are way easier to sell uh, in October, November when they're pretty in green food right. plots and stuff like that. Um, you know, uh, speaking of that, that's, that's a good topic, how to get your place registered. When is the best time to sell? I'm going to answer this for Brent. In the last two years, right now, just any time, <laughs> just get it on the market, we'll sell it. No question. History, in our 15-year history, um, I'm going to let you answer first because I've got my answer in my head. I want to say, okay, when is the, when, when, is the uh, when would you put your property online or what's your dates you, you like? In normal market conditions, uh, let's go with seasons, spring, fall. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as far as dates go, uh, maybe about the second week of March, mm-hmm. uh, as far as spring goes, and it's probably ideal. And then fall, you know, you don't want to start too late because you want to give plenty of time for them to get out there and get it ready for both season or whatever. Uh, but, you know, when I say fall, I may I may want to back it up a little bit and say end of August, mm-hmm. first of September. Somewhere along in there, coming up, we and, need listings, <laughs> and then and then get on a little little further down the road. Because I mean, like right now, I got a lot of people calling, and there's a lot of people looking at stuff. But you know, this market's different right now. This is a good market, you know. So, like you said, right now, but historically during the summer, you know, everybody's out of school, they're going on vacations, it's hot. You know, they don't. You know, people aren't really keeping their places up as much during the summer. You know. Playing baseball, hey, soccer, base, baseball. Yeah, you got so much going on. So, I mean, summer is usually not a good time. Uh, you know, then then you get into the winter, you know, people are usually hunting their places. They don't want to sell it in the middle of hunting season. Uh, or, you know, they're leasing it and don't hate to do that to their, their lessee or whatever. Uh, then, How do I know they're not going to shoot all the deer before I close on it? Exactly. But then but then you got, uh, you know, you got Thanksgiving, Christmas, you know, New Year's. And things usually kind of slow down and run in that time, you know, with the holidays going on. But I've had some really great Decembers and Januaries over the years, you know. I mean, and, and a lot of that is like people, look, I've been in this club forever, and I am so sick of this club and, like, you know, can't take my family out there and enjoy myself without, you know, this or that going on that I disagree with. I just want to place them all, and I'll buy it right now. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I've had a lot, a lot of sales over the years with that. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I, I think my answer was going to be maybe September for late August to September 1st. And really, and you, I, Ryan, didn't I say that? Isn't yeah. That the day that I, gave? Well, okay. I was just making sure the same thing. I thought thing. he was changing it a little bit. No, I, I really like, and look, during hunting season, it, you know, we still sell a lot then. It just, it, you know, uh, right around Christmas holidays is usually tough. I would say if the best months, the best is September and October, and then February and March, if I had to pick the best. Yep. If I had to pick the worst months, uh, June, July. Yep. Um, and, and for those reasons, hot, people are fishing. Yep. People are vacationing, doing stuff with the wife. They aren't thinking about hunting. What happens? you got you got to look at the world we live in. A lot of our clients come out of Louisiana, or they you know, they work whatever job they work, and what happens is they tell their buddy, hey, um, um, I'm going, uh, this, let's say, right now. Uh, hey man, let's go play golf this weekend. Let's go fishing, man. I'm going hunting camp. It's about that time. Got to get ready. Yep. And so that client sitting in that office or on the phone or whatever says, "God dog, I got to get me a place." That night they go on, they get on, yep. they get on land watch, and they go to looking at property, and that's how it starts. So you know their their buddy, you know their their product or what their buddies are doing, and it just it 
oh, man, I got to get me a plane. It's just no different if somebody says, uh, in the spring, I don't play golf, but if somebody says, man, yeah, we're going to play golf this weekend, I got to join the club. I got to get me some clubs. I got to go hit some balls. Right. It's the same thing. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm guilty, you know, as soon as the spring hits, I got to get me some new baits, you know, we'll catch me some fish, you know, <laughs> it's the same, it's the same thing. So, yep. so that's, that's a timing thing. Um, I'm just keep going down this list. Uh, land history, um, is, it, it, you know, I'm, I'm kind of going from, the, from top to bottom, land history, as far as like, uh, who owned the land before you, people are interested in that. Yeah, yeah. You know, oh, this was my grandpa's owner. I know who had it. I sold a property last year. It was uh, 1,800 acres. It was a grant uh, from George Washington um, it, to his personal surgeon to wow. this guy in Wilkeson County. So that's how long it had been in that that's family. Pretty, that's pretty cool. Yeah, so uh, pretty pretty cool. But, um, you know, land history, people are, people are uh, interested in that. Who owned it? How long you own it? Why are you selling um, you better have a good answer. Oh yeah, um, that that's actually probably comes up more often than not. Why are you selling? Is a, is a big question we get. Uh, and, you know, and like I said, when it comes to the to the timber side of it, uh, you know, if it's a timber investment type track, uh, certainly the hunting side, they want to know. You know, what have they been shooting? What are they not shooting? What kind of rules are going by? You know, how the te- you know, what kind of trees do they plant? You know, what uh, you know, what have they done any burning? You know, uh, you know what they, like how have they managed it? You know, all that comes into play. And it uh, makes a difference. So it's good to keep up with the history. Something we didn't, and you just made me think about it. Um, I get this all the time. I'm going to let you answer this. Brent, you think I ought to put a pond in my place before I sell it? <laughs> yeah, I get that a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, and, he said, yeah, I get that a lot. Like, yeah, not do it. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, it just depends on the place, man. Like, I mean, there's a big difference. I mean, when it comes to building a pond, you know, soil is everything. So you don't just go out there and build a pond if you know it's not going to work, mm-hmm. you know. And you don't just and sometimes you do just need to go play in the dirt and find out because you know I've had these these guys come out here from the uh, soil con- yeah and 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 go down there a little two or three feet and say it's going to work and not work and it's not going to work and it, and it work or or you know I've had them be right too you know, um, but it kind of comes down to the cost of it you know what you're what you're trying to do so I mean number one is the soil number two when you you're getting ready to build a pond, then where you spend that money is on how, how high and how long that levee is going to be. So if you've got a great spot with good soil that, you know, it's, it's not going to cost $30,000 to, to build a, a levee there, uh, then do it, you know. Uh, if and, and we're talking, you know, $30,000 maybe on a 100-acre track. If it's only right. 30000 and it's on a 1,000-acre track, right. uh, we may be. Exactly. So, I mean, it's just, you know, everybody always asks me, well, What's land? What's the average price of land? Man, you can't really answer that in my opinion. I mean, it's like can, how much the cars cost. Yeah, I mean, you can give them an answer, but I mean, there are so many factors that come into play in determining that, and and you really got to look at the track and, and see the features and and and, and I mean, because the location, you know, is a big thing. You know, in every real estate school I've ever been to, you know, is location, location, location. I mean, that that is that's huge. I uh, know how can you use it? You know how many different uses can you have of it? You know what's the timber? What's the rec? You know the recreational side of it. There's just a lot of factors that come into play, and so kind of my my general answer, you know, is like, well, okay, let's just assume it's worth thirty two hundred an acre, and we'll work up or down from there based on you know multiple different factors. You know, water water is a big thing. I mean, water sells. Uh, it does. So I mean, I, I can't say I've never recommended them do it. I mean, there's been places I said, look, this would be a great big pond site. Uh, you know, you don't really have that, that, that get good soil here. Uh, 
the levee really didn't have to be that long, and it's got, you know, so much watershed coming to it, it'll hold. And, you know, you could spend $25,000 on building that pond or building that lake, and, you know, you're probably going to double that in value, mm -hmm. you know. So, I mean, it just comes down. If the value's there, then do it. If it's not, don't, you know. Right. It's, it's, I would, I think my answer would be for the most part, no. And that's Aaron on the side of caution. Right. Uh, you know, but there, like, I got a property that I'm going to be selling up that I personally own here in a couple of years. And I'm seriously thinking about it because it's one of those spots where I can build about a four acre pond and not, you know, not put a whole lot of money into it. And it's a relatively bigger track. So I'm thinking about doing it. So it, every track is specific, but we do get that question a lot. Yep. I'm going to keep working down these things. We're getting more, uh, in the legal side of things on my next bullet points. Um, he's, Brent mentioned maps early. If you've got a survey of a place, um, we like to take care of stuff that when we, when Brent and I go to a listing appointment, if there's things that we know are going to be an issue whenever we get ready to sell, we like to, um, you know, we like to take care of those things. Like if you don't know your acreage or if there's a big discrepancy of what we're digitizing and what you think you own, we may need to look into getting a survey or clearing some things up because you may argue with Brent and I, well, we can only go off what we can go off of, but believe me, if we tell you they're going to come up, they're probably going to come up. Right. The attorney's going to say something. Um, for instance, these days, most of the clients have the apps. If they click on Onyx and they say, this track says 160 acres, but you advertise in 210, where's the extra? Mm -hmm. There needs to be an answer for that. Yep. And, and and you need to justify your answer because believe me, they'll believe this darn app and their phone before they believe you. Oh yeah. Oh, I know the survey says this, but my app says this. The, the apps go off of what the county records are, and in our counties, a lot of times they're wrong. wrong. A lot of times, um, or it hadn't been updated. Well, the bottom line is this: you can only sell what your deed says you have. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what the tax records say it is. I don't care how many acres you've been paying taxes on for the past 50 years. If you've been paying taxes on 160 and your deed calls for 140, then you can only sell it as 140. Mm -hmm. If you think there's discrepancy, let's survey. survey. And sir, look, man, everybody asks me, surveys are expensive for the most part, and a lot of people don't want to spend that money. But it's money well spent most of the time. I mean, you know, I, I tell them this, like, it is in your best interest to survey it if we don't already have one. I was like, that way you get what you're paying for. If there's any issues, we find out, we get it worked out now, and then it come up down the road later. I don't care if you surveyed or not most of the time. It's up to you. It's your money. You, you do what you want to do. But it's in your best interest to do it. And if anybody ever asks me, I got a note in my file saying, I told you to survey it, you know? Right. Uh, and a lot of people just don't do that. And there's been tracks that I've seen that, like, clear where the boundaries are, acreage and all is lining up, with tax records and deed and all that. And, you know, yeah, I'm not going to push that, but I'm still going to tell them to survey it, you know? Right. Uh, but that's not something I just really you know, push and, and, hard. And everybody's going to think and, think and listen to this podcast or what's a survey cost? <laughs> About like building a pond or a house. Who don't, knows? Yeah. Don't even uh, – people ask all the time. A lot. What's and that going to cost? I'm lot. like, look, it's not cheap. And there's so much that goes into a survey, mm -hmm. you know, that the, – Topography, the history. The, the, the average person just doesn't – they think, they, hey, you're just going to go out there and mark those corners and tell me, like – I mean, there's a lot of research that goes into it. There's a lot of issues that could come up, you know, that like on the ground look fine, but when you really get to digging, you realize you got a problem you didn't know you had. And uh, and, and and it's up for that survey to figure, figure out. Like he can look at a map a lot of time and look at these tax boundaries and say, hey, look, it looks like we might have a problem over here, you know. And and I didn't see that on the map, you know, or the client didn't see that on the map. So, you know, I don't I don't quote them. I, I, give, them, I give them some numbers and, 
And, uh, you know, one of my go-tos is Hunter Newman and Ross Morgan. Hunter's good, man. I I give them Hunter Newman, and I give them uh, Bruce, of course, and there's a couple of others, Talbert and and Wilson County. You know, the thing about it is, and look, people, if you do have to get a survey, if you get one done within a month right now, that's a win. Oh, yeah. If the market's busy, surveyors are busy, attorneys are busy, everybody, you know, it's agents are busy. Like, oh, that, my agent don't ever answer the phone. Well, give him a couple of hours because he may be showing a track. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? Something like that. I mean, I try to do everything I can, but if I'm showing you your track, I'm going to give you my undivided attention. Unless it's an emergency, right. I'm not going to answer the phone. Now, my wife calls three times. You will have to wait. <laughs> exactly. You know, you know, because she, she knows the game too. But, uh, you know, something, you know, surveys are definitely, if you think you have an issue, uh, we need to take care of that on the front end. Title work. Okay. Just because, and I'm not going to play the attorney hat, but I know just enough about this to get me in trouble. So I'm going to refer to you to attorney, but I'm going to give you a little bit. Just because your daddy died and left it to you, that doesn't necessarily mean you can sell it tomorrow. That's they didn't right. probate his will. If the will, there's a lot of things, and I'm not trying to get legal with this, but if there's a, you need, you need to tell your agent or us, or, or you need to have a conversation with the attorney we plan to close it with, or that did the estate, hey, is this property ready to sell? Or, um, you know, has there been a title issue in the past? Somebody who thinks this stuff is going to come up. Mm-hmm. The boogeyman's coming out the closet. Let's get it out of there and let's kill him before he, before he eats somebody. Right. Um, I bet you never heard that before, huh? <laughs> but, but yeah, so if there is an issue, title work, you know, it, it, go ahead and get it taken care of. That way, if you get your property under contract and some guy may say, I don't want to fool with this. You've got a title issue. I'm ready to buy a piece of property. We don't want that to happen. Well, one of the things that I am super proud of as far as, you know, my company goes, uh, as well as uh, I know a lot of other agents are like this. You're certainly one of them. But one of the things I pride myself in is when I get you an offer that you accept, there's about a 99.9% chance that that's going to close. Because, you know, a listing, in my opinion, is a liability until you can turn it into a sale that will close. As long as that sign sits out there with my name on it, you know, and it doesn't sell, it looks bad on me. And everybody thinks we price them anyway, you know. Right. And, I mean, there's a lot of listings I don't take because they wouldn't let me try. They wouldn't listen to me, you know. But, but uh, Getting hard I to want, do that right now, uh, isn't it? <laughs> I, want, I want to know that whenever that contract is fully signed and, and, and we're headed to closing, that, that everything that we could have possibly done to, to not have any surprises, uh, to delay a closing, to make a closing fall through, all those eyes are dotted, all those T's are crossed, and this thing's going to close. And I, I have been that way my whole career, and you know, and, and all the agents that I've worked with or or, or trained or whatever the years uh, are like that now. Like when we get you in, when when you sign that thing, accepting it, uh, there's a very slim chance it's not going to close because we already asked all these questions up front. You know, we asked the questions about the title, and 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 I have to, I have to tell some clients every now and then that at first you know maybe not know me or whatever. Uh, you know, they interviewed me like they don't really want to tell me everything. Like they're trying to hide something. I'm like, look, the more you let me know, the better I can help you in the, in the long run. And we're the same way with the buyers. You know, I mean, we, I mean everybody needs to have their. If you want to go buy something, now it's not as much with land as you see with residential houses. I mean, we don't we don't want to list a house that a, that a, that a, a client doesn't tell us. Hey, look, we only want pre-approved buyers. You know, right. looking at the house. 
Land's a little bit different because you just got a different type person, you know, buying those most and of the look, time. And Brent and I don't want to waste our time. We're pre-approved <laughs> before you know it. Exactly, you know, and uh, and so you don't want to be, you know, sitting at your house on on Saturday afternoon, spending time with your kids, and and somebody call and say, hey, you know, we want to see this place. You know, well, being available is a big part of our job. You know, and not you know, we got to prioritize, you know, our time with our family and all because I mean that's that's more important than going to sell on that land, but but. I don't want to go out there and waste my time, so or, or your time either, you know. So I mean, we we ask those questions, those buyers, you know. Have you talked to them? Are you paying cash? Or are you are you financing? If you're financing, have you talked to them? Are you, are you pre-approved? You know, if you don't, you know, hey, we'll hook you up with somebody to get you to talk to, uh, you know. And then you know, so we do all that due diligence on the front end to where all that's out of the way, and this thing's going to close. You know, I mean, every now and then you might have a little something pop up in the title work, you know, that you, you didn't expect or didn't know out about. Out of your control, That's right. out of our control. But, man, when you sign that contract, it's going gonna, it's gonna to close 99.9% of the time. And right. And, and, and so if you ever get around myself or Brent or any other good agent, you know, it, it seems like, God, he's taking a long time to do anything. He's asking all these questions. It's because, and, and we're not picking on you when you know you're a business professional. Well, this is what we do. We're right. professionals. We didn't just get our license. I mean, New Ryan will tell you this. He just got his license not long ago. There's things he doesn't know. And, and, and it's scary sometimes mm-hmm. that, that there's people, out, you know, so we make sure we're seasoned now. We're in, and we know that the, the right questions to ask. So when we do get a con- and I would bet more often than not, the ones that me and you haven't closed that we had contracted, stuff out of our, our control, or we represented the buyer and the, then the selling agent. I had one fall apart at a closing last year. When we got there, there was 26 acres of a 221-acre track that was not owned by his client. Didn't know it till the attorney whipped out the survey and the survey that he found in the courthouse and showed us. Wow. Even pulled it up on the client's website and said, how am I supposed to know? This is what he sent me. You know, and, and, and we're not attorneys. This first thing that the guys at the real estate commission tell us, you're not an attorney, don't act like one. Right. So all legal stuff, we refer to a client, but we do have to know just enough to get us in trouble. But let me, let me that brings me to a point. If your agent is not asking you these questions up front, you don't need to use that agent. <laughs> and the agent that doesn't ask you these questions up front that says, hey, I, oh, yeah, man, I'll do it. I'll do it at such and such percent. And maybe it's cheaper than my, me or Brent will do it. There's a reason for that. You want to provide a better service. It, I think it's so funny that that the same people that drive up in a Ford Platinum and their wife drives a BMW wants the cheapest on commission. It's like you you had value. You saw value, and then and then, but you don't. You know, it's it's funny. You, you get what you pay for. Amen. Amen. And that's right. with everything. I can get off on a real big <laughs> tangent on that, but. Um, and the next is, of course, on title work, is there any liens? You know, does anybody need to be paid? How much do you owe the bank? Have you talked to the bank about what you're – do you owe more than it's worth? You know, these are conversations. And that's where Brent and I will ask the question, and then you have a personal – we're not trying to get in your business, family business, but if Uncle Joe has a lien on this thing or there's a plumber who has a lien and y'all got in a dispute or there's a – the co-op has who, – who has a lien on the place or there's a – another mortgage out there need to get those things in line. I'm not saying you have to pay them off. Right. I'm saying that we got to make sure that if we sell it for 
a hundred grand that everybody, including us, gets taken care of. Uh, and and th- those are just you know those are just the the type of questions that we have to ask in order to make sure we're doing our job well. And you know there's a difference between hiring an agent and hiring a professional. And yep. I, Brent and myself both try to be professionals. So and tax liability is another one. You right, know, you right, really gotta, yeah, you yeah. Tax, yeah. What what do you owe on the taxes? Have you not been? I had a property I sold the other day. There was a mistake on the garbage bill. Like they didn't pick up garbage, but they were still four hundred forty one bucks at the closing. <laughs> We got it taken care of, yeah. but it's one of them things. Yeah, but uh, I mean, a lot of people don't realize. Hey, you know, I, I may have to pay a lot of taxes on this place mm-hmm. if I sell it. They don't think about that, you know. And that stuff you got to ask them up front, so you can. The, the more we know, the better we can help you. And I get and, and the same thing with a buyer. You know, when a buyer calls me and they're like, "Look, we want to buy some land." All right, well, how many acres do you want? Ah, you know, fifty to hundred acres, or, or four hundred acres, or whatever it is. You know, and I ask them. All these questions, like, what do you want to do with it? Like, are you, I mean, what, what, I mean, are you trying to deer hunt? Are you trying to turkey hunt? I mean, are you want to grow timber? I mean, are you just want an all around recreational place? I mean, what, what do you want? You know, and the more you can tell me, the more I can weed out the stuff that, that, you, that we're going to be wasting our time with, you know. But one of the biggest questions I always ask is, what kind of budget are you trying to stick in? All right. Well, they, they don't like telling you that a lot of times. It's like they think if they give you a number, then you're automatically going to go find the most expensive place. That's not why we're asking that. Now, and I, in the and land, I, you couldn't do that anyway, Harley. You, yeah, I mean, I asked them the question, like, you just told me what you wanted. If I, if, if, if I, just, if I find a place that you just painted the picture of, like couldn't, couldn't have been any closer to what you just named, you absolutely positively are not going to pay over X number of dollars for it. And I'm not asking you that so I can go find the most expensive thing for you. But you know, if you tell me, you know, half a million, but that perfect place is at six hundred, you know, and you're still gonna send it to you exactly, unless you make like, that call. Like you don't want, you don't want to cut you don't want to cut that that when you're searching you don't want to cut that that too short and miss that place, you know. So, and all, all that what Brent just said brought up another topic. When we get re- you ready to land for se- your land ready for sale, make sure you listen to your agent about pricing. Uh, in today's market, market rust is a. Uh, even worse thing than it's ever been because information is out there. You know, people listings don't go away. I guarantee you I can go find almost every listing I've had in my career that's been online somewhere. It's like, because we don't control all the sites. We control the ones we control. Mm-hmm. And that listing, well, I saw you had it $100,000. There must be something wrong with over that property. I mean, so price your property right. Listing your property for a less amount may actually get you more money in the long run. It will. Uh, so, 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 uh, let me say that again, listing your property for a less amount may get you more money in the long run. Uh, you know, I, I heard a million times, we can always come down. Yeah. A lot of people cannot come look too. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, it, that's where I go back to the listing being a liability. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, uh, you know, and, and the market rust you're talking about is a real thing, man. I mean, it could be the best. It's getting property. worse. It could be the best property in the world. And you could just overprice it so dramatically that nobody wants to look at it. And man, I just I, I'm not interested in listing stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I'm just not, and uh, and for multiple reasons. But uh, I want to be about that third guy you call, right? You know, and <laughs> when, what he when, means when, by that is that if I list it too high, and then in six months it goes up, Brent gets and then gets right. And but even with that said, I don't know. I, I think you. I don't know if you explained that just right just then. So. If you're gonna list it with one agent that's gonna list it for you know a hundred grand over what it's gonna mm-hmm. sell for, then you're gonna leave it out there six months to a year. It's not gonna sell. It's gonna get stale. 
Nobody's going to want it. They're going to think something's wrong with it. And and then you're going to get mad at that person that, that listed it for a hundred grand over what it should have been. And then you're not going to work with them more. You're going to go around town bad mouthing them. You're going to call the next guy. And if you don't listen to the next guy, the same thing is going to happen. And, and a lot of times it takes about that third try, you know, uh, to finally say, you know what, I had it overpriced. This is what's going to happen, and, and they'll listen to you. So, I mean, I want to be the first guy they call. Let me get that right. Right. But but in a situation like that, I want to be number two and number three because then they might be a little more realistic. And it, let me tell you, if if you are, it don't matter how good a marketing I do or Brent does or any company does, if they are the third person, you hurt yourself. Yep. It's not a new listing when we get it. It may be new to us, but the world still knows about it. Yep. And it hurts. So so you like like we said, you may end up taking less. So price it right in the beginning. Get a market excitement. It's gonna bring if the agent's doing a good job, it's gonna bring the most value when priced correctly. Um I had a property that I uh, I sold the other day that another agent had way overpriced at one time and ended up selling it. And I think it sold for less than it, what it could have if it had been just priced right. Nobody wanted to look at it. Oh, yeah, that property. We learn from our clients. Yep. And the clients say, oh, yeah, that property's been for sale. Well, it must be something wrong with it. Or I don't want to go look at that. And they say, they get in their head, if I buy this, I don't care what price. Everybody else turned it down. I must not be seeing what's wrong with it. Yeah, when, when you, I mean, the pricing is really, we've talked about roads, we've talked about, you know, all kinds of stuff today, Slade, but at the end of the day, it really comes down to price. Mm-hmm. That's really the biggest part of it, and and pricing it competitively is where you want to be, mm-hmm. you know, and like I ask people, you know, what, what's more important to you, getting the most money for it, selling it in a quick amount of time, or just knowing that you didn't uh, price it too cheap or whatever, you know, and 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 there's a, there's three different levels there, you know. I mean, if you if you if, if you want to get the most amount of money and don't care how much time it is, well, let's list a little higher. And if it doesn't sell, you know, let's give it thirty days, sixty days. We're not getting a lot of showings, whatever. Then then we'll know it's the price, and we can come down a little bit. But you don't want to leave it out there too long. Uh, you know, if you just want to, you know, make you just want to sell it, and you want to get the most money you can in the quickest amount of time, then you price it competitively. And if you need to fire sell it, then, you know, you know, of course, you sell it cheap. But, you know, how often we have somebody tell us, I, I just want to get rid of it. <laughs> Not it's very been, often. Been, been very few. But, um, yeah, uh, pricing is the biggest thing because you can, you can offset everything we talked about with a really cheap cheap price. Exactly. You know, hey, if it's in oh, it's Wilkeson County, the grass is grown up, the roads suck, <laughs> uh, the deer pitchers suck, and it doesn't have a survey, guess what? At 1,500 an acre and it's got road runs, we can probably sell it. <laughs> exactly. You know I mean? I mean, that's really what it comes down to, and, and it's worth as much as anybody give you for it, you know? Well, Brent, we gonna, uh, we're getting, as Brent and I always, always do, where our conversations go a long time. I'm going to, uh, I don't know if you've listened to many of the podcasts, but I always ask everybody one question, and I think you can learn a lot about somebody and things like that. All right, Brent, tomorrow, you and uh, Lenny are coming home from New Orleans. Y'all went on a date, and you stop at a truck stop, and you say, you know what? The lottery's $100 million. You win $100 million. Net to you, you get $100 million. What you doing? What, what, where are you buying land and why? I don't want to buy all the land. I just want what joins me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Look, you know, I mean, that's and that's, that's in Amick County. That that's a hard uh, that's a hard question. You know, I mean, uh, I love Amick County. I love Southwest Mississippi, and and I want to own property here. I knew it. It's it's just a good a good place to buy land. Uh, putting your money in land is is you no. Know, there could be some cash flow issues at time or whatever, uh, 
but at the same time, you can't go wrong buying land, period. Uh, historically, it's going to go up in value. I mean, look what it's done in the 15 years you and I have been in the business. Right, right. Uh, but, I mean, of course, you know, I want to buy land at, you know, here. Uh, but if it came down to, like, just all you around, got a hundred million, so I mean, yeah. But I, I would probably have a, I'd probably have several. I mean, one, one of the things I've always said is, is, uh, as great as it is down here, and the hunting's good, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, we within an hour and a half, and basically anywhere you want to do anything you want to do. But I always love the Midwest. Mm-hmm. You know, bigger turkeys, bigger deer, more of them. You know, and uh, I mean, I really, I really like Southeast Kansas. You know, I mean, you got ducks, you got deer, you got turkeys. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, I, I, I haven't done a whole lot of hunting, you know, across the nation. I mean, like y'all have done, uh, but you know, I love, I love out West, uh, you know, Montana, uh, I visited Jackson hole several years back. I absolutely fell in love with it out there. Um, you know, I got some good friends, uh, uh, in Tennessee, kind of at the foothills of the Smokies. Uh, That's some good turkey Ma- hunting in there. Yeah, Madisonville, Tennessee is where this guy's at. Doug McKenzie, you, you probably know Mr. Doug. Mm-hmm. He does a trap yeah, at Long Lee. Yeah. Uh, I really like it up there where he's at, you know. Uh, so hunting-wise, climate-wise, you know, probably Midwest is, is best, uh, in my opinion. The and I definitely have Kansas. something right there. I really like South. Now, I know the winters are pretty tough up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, I, I don't well, know. You, you got, you got $50 million worth of property down here, though, so you can come back. <laughs> And I, I figure, you know, my wife's probably going to want something on the beach. Mm-hmm. So I hate the beach. I'm not a beach guy. You know, I mean, beaches for skinny people. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I, I'm, obviously, I'm obviously not skinny. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't like being hot. I don't like sand. You know, I, I don't know how you can relax on the beach, man. I mean, you sit there, you're hot. I don't care how much wind's blowing. I don't care how those waves are crashing. There's lots of strangers walking around you, and you can't take a nap like that. Not, I, I can't do it, you know. So... Anyway, I, but I'm sure, you know, my, my girls are going to want something on the beach somewhere, so something like that, you know. But $100 million, man, you know. You can uh, buy a pretty nice place on the beach and still buy it, some land. You could, but, I mean, I, I'd, have, I'd have it all. But, I mean, I think really if I had that kind of money, probably one of the, one of the things I'd really want to do most with it, just being completely honest with you, is I want to buy a big place and, and set up some kind of, uh, like, special needs kids type situation, you know. And I know you've done some of that in the past. We've done some of that in the past. But, like, man, I just – I think that's what it's all about, and 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 I would let wanna, somebody you know, else benefit from what yeah, you did. You know, like mm-hmm. I, I would love, like I do a little bit at the house now. You know, just just letting some kids, but I'm not set up. I don't have you know good enough place for that. Uh, I'm working on it, but I would love to have a place. You know, that's that's you know in an area like that with good deer, good good duck hunting. You know, a little bit of everything, and have a nice big lodge, and you can bring their family up there and just let them just have an awesome time with all the right facilities for stuff like that. And I'll tell you another place that I that I really am fond of uh, that's close by is Yazoo County on the Big Black River. I was a, I was going to be my question. <laughs> You've had some good success on the Big Black. I know you would at least think about now, it. Now, look, I hadn't hunted like you hunted, all mm-hmm. right? So, But the Big Black I, from I, Mississippi is good. But I, I just don't think it gets any better than that, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I – You know that to, track's had, back for sale. Well, I, I heard that. But, you know, my, I had some friends that owned that track at one time. Mm-hmm. Can we say that on here? I mean, sure. Does it matter? I mean, Scotland Plantation, you know, right. Yazoo County, like three and a half miles of footage in the Big Black. Man, like, that was the, the most awesome place. Well, ever. you're going to have $100 million and New Ryan and I have a place with 10 miles in front of you on the new, uh, Big Black. So, we're going to – Scotland's going to be call. nothing. <laughs> but, man, Scotland was, was unreal. It really was. 
I, I, I got to hunt up there for several years. I've, I've never seen so much, so many, so much deer sign and just deer in general. I mean, every time I hunted up there, except for maybe once or twice, uh, I mean, I had an opportunity to shoot a, shoot a, shoot a shooter buck, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, I passed on a couple of them just because, you know, I just, you know, I don't want to go up there and kill everything, <laughs> you know, but that, that place was special and that, that, I got a lot of friends that, that hunt up there and have hunted up there for years and that, uh, it, that's hard to beat as far as a, a quick drive from here. So, so let me summarize. You're going to have about 10,000 acres in Amick County. You're going to have Lindy, a nice house on the beach. You're going to have a place on the Big Black River and in southeast Kansas. And then you forgot, like, uh, uh, maybe uh, Yellowstone area. You know, get yeah, something up that somewhere way, Jackson, Jackson Hole, Hole something oh, like yeah. that. Yeah. I went Jackson Hole last year. It is a really cool area. It, it's, it, it, for people from Amick County, it's just so weird. It's just like a different, like, it's. People riding around just looking at animals. We're going down that moose road, and we're like, you know, we could kill these suckers. <laughs> well, you know, my, my bucket list is is, is a is an elk hunt. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love the turkey hunt. That's my favorite. I like the deer hunt, but I love the turkey hunt. And I just feel like the best combination of, of deer and turkey is going to be an elk hunt. I'm going to warn great you. Success. I'm going to warn you, elk hunting will ruin your life. <laughs> it really will because they're expensive, and they're hard to kill. But good Lord, and they taste really good, <laughs> but they're, uh, guys, fun. It, it, look. And I don't know the answer to this because I've done a good bit of elk hunting, but not enough to define this. There's nothing better than that first hoot of the morning turkey about blows your head off. Nothing better than that. Yep. At the same time, I've been running down the side of a ridge and all of a sudden a bull bugle that I didn't know was there. And it sends chills up your spine and hairs you didn't know you had stand up. And and and, the, and you can't put it on. Will Primos can't put it on video. Trained assassins can't put. Nobody can put it on video. The sounds. And if you've if anybody's ever been in the mountains, they know this. The sounds. It's like a a tugboat crossed with a T Rex. It is just like it's <laughs> unreal. Like that. Just and you know when you and that it's usually cold. You know when they're bugling and if you see that smoke blowing out, it's. I ain't gonna lie. I mean, it because you, you've been like this in Southwest Mississippi before. You have an encounter, or you kill a big buck, or you're about to kill a big buck, and you're a little bit cold, and then that adrenaline slash nervousness kicks in, and then you get uh-huh. really, really cold, dude. It happens like that. Where they let me ask you this, lady: Is it the same way when you shoot one at you know shoot an elk out the back door of the camp? Well, it was actually it was that was the weirdest thing ever. Uh, the camp bull. I'm still eating on that sucker. He's good. I got. I took a picture of his horns. I got to bring it to the taxidermist. Uh, my wife was asking. We're getting all our deer heads up, and she was asking when that was going to be ready. So I got to get it to the taxidermist. But yeah, I've hunted ten years elk hunting all over the all over the west over there, and the biggest bull I ever killed was 150 yards from a swimming pool. That's awesome. It's crazy. Hey, I'll sh- I don't care where he's at. He was he was close to the camp and ended up at a fair chase, big place connected to public ground, but he just liked to hang out by the camp, and the owner kept telling us there was a big seven times six hanging out by the camp, and we didn't believe him, but it was. <laughs> well, we're going to uh, conclude this thing. Brent, uh, before we get off of here, tell everybody how they can hook up with you, you know, your website, social media, tell them where's the best place to get a hold of you. All right. Uh, Facebook, our Facebook page at Macmillan Land. Uh, our website, www.macmillan.land. Uh, and, of course, you know, you can always give us a call at the office, 601-657-5858 uh, or ourselves. But, but uh, that Facebook page and the website, of course, the best ways to get us there. Well, Brent does a really good job. Dean and his office does a really good job. You know, Amit County is a good area. Brent Brent focuses much as on Amit County as I focus on Wilkinson County. Not that we don't sell stuff in a lot of other areas, but you know you got to have a home base, and that's kind of our home base. And those two counties, if you don't know, 
are the two southernest counties in southwest Mississippi. So they're both an hour from Baton Rouge, two hours from New Orleans, easy to get to. And uh, Wilkinson's River County, Amit, is the next county over. They vary a whole lot the same in pricing. And um, it's just a great area, man. It's it, it really is. It's where we grew up. I grew up on the line. We played ball together. It's uh, it, it's easier for us to sell this area because we grew up here, yep. you know, and it's 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 what we love, and it's on our hundred million dollar question. We both said we'd buy land around here, so it's easy for us to sell. Absolutely, Lane. Well, thank you very much for having me today, man. Appreciate it. No problem. We're both starving. We're about to eat some lunch, and then we're gonna be selling some land this afternoon. So y'all have a blessed day. Hey, thank you for listening to the Hunt and Land Man podcast. If you will, take a moment, give us a five-star written view, guys. This really helps us out. And if you know anybody you think will be interested in this podcast, please share it with them.